You are listening to the Patriot Pastors Podcast, where we talk about today's issues from a pastor's perspective, as well as calling America back to the faith of our fathers. Without God, democracy will not and cannot long endure. We ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. Here's your host, Wade Lentz and Harold Smith. Welcome to the Patriot Pastors Podcast. My name is Harold Smith, and I'm joined again with my regular co-host, good time friend, longtime friend, and pastor of Barrel Baptist Church, Wade Lentz. And Wade, we've spent sleepless nights worrying whether Southern Baptist would survive another convention. Would this be the year of the demise of the convention? Would liberalism sweep through the convention and, and take them out once and for all? Or would this be the turnaround, the Reformation revival year, or would this just be blah? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, you know, this is our third year of doing like a SBC review after the convention. And the first year that we did this was 2021. And at the start of the episode, we played the taps, you know, like the, the military funerals. And we said, you know, that ship speaking about the SBC has sailed and then last year we played the song turn out the lights the party's over how the convention went that particular year this year is a little bit different because there were some lows but there were also some highs so depending on who you are you might leave the convention if you're if you are an SBC pastor and think hey we're on the right road we made some progress, but if you're, again, depending on who you are, you might be thinking, ah, it's really a same song, different verse type of a year. I guess what we could do is just briefly talk about some of the lows and then talk about some of the high points in, in the, uh, during the convention in New Orleans. And I guess probably the started out would be a low point would be, you know, Mike Stone was running against Bart Barber. And you and I both felt like that that was going to be an uphill battle because Bart was an incumbent. And even in a political, secular world, incumbents are hard to beat. And uh, it, it stood to be true even in the, the Southern Baptist world as well. He won, Barber won by, I think it was 68% versus Mike Stone's 31%. And uh, so it wasn't it wasn't even close. Now, we both felt like Barber's going to win, but we felt it was going to be closer than than this. And so that was a little bit disheartening uh, for me, and I know a lot for a lot of conservatives, don't you think? Uh, yeah, I've, I've said it publicly several times. I don't think Southern Baptists could do any better than Mike Stone for a president. Mm-hmm. The man is, I mean, I count him as a personal friend, so I'm a little biased, but he is a gifted uh, communicator. He has an ability to get his point across in a very clear way. He's gifted in leadership. He served Southern Baptists and virtually, you know, he jokes everything but WMU leader. Mm-hmm. And I, I think when you have a real gifted leader, but also a a conservative candidate that's not going to go along with the the agenda that we've been seeing for the last really five, six years, um, I expected more people to say, we need a change. 
Yeah. Reason I I I felt that way is when Mike first ran in 21, that was in Nashville. There were over 15,000 messengers there. Mm-hmm. And he beat Al Moeller. He beat several well-known candidates. Yeah. And it came down to him and Ed Linton. And it was close. It was close. I mean, I want to say it was like 700 votes out of all those messengers one way or the other. Right. And so I, I thought, okay, you know, Southern Baptists have decided to go. They don't want to go in the conservative direction. But from that point on, what Southern Baptists have kind of turned a blind eye to, I'm talking about those in the, in the up and up, is the convention's income is dropping. It's dropping like a rock. Yeah. You know, uh, cooperative program giving is down. Uh, missions offerings are down. And, and they're trying to cover this up in a number of ways. And that's really something for another podcast. But what's happening is the trajectory is going down. And that's what, you know, that was kind of the, if you like the trajectory that the Southern Baptist convention is on, just vote for Bart Barber. But if you want to change that vote for Mike Stone. So I thought people were, I didn't know if there'd be a majority of them, but I thought enough people were looking and going, man, everything we have is going down. People are leaving. Churches are leaving. Pastors are leaving. Giving is going down. State giving is going down. You know, we, we've got to write this ship. And that was not what messengers to this year's convention wanted to do. And I think that is probably, I, I, I love Mike. I, I just didn't, it's a, like you said, it's an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. Brother, I, I didn't think it was going to be 6831 um, right. for an impeccable candidate, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that kind of shocked me. Yeah, it, it, it did me too. And I, I don't know, maybe it's the, Still getting over that fact of all the mishandling of, of uh, the lies and the, tr- you know, all those things that came upon Mike Stone ruined his reputation. And how much of that was clarified from the platform? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They, you the know, Southern they didn't. This convention didn't do any favors to Mike when his name was smeared. All sorts of lies were spread about him. All of those things have since been proven untrue. Right. And they just, his church, actually requested from the committee, uh, I think it was the executive committee, some group that handles all yeah. this information, and said, hey, we'd like to have the security tapes, uh, the, the video uh, files from the convention center where this lady claimed Mike Stone you know, said something to her and hurt her feelings and everything. It was a mm-hmm. stage set up, and he, he requested that, and they refused to give it to him. Right. There was even a motion made this year at the convention to release those. And so, you know, we could clear Mike's name because people are still, you know, accused, even though this has been publicly, everyone's agreed it was a setup and it, it was not true. The tapes exist. Let us see them. Yeah. And that motion got ruled out of order. Right. And they said, we don't have enough time to do that. I could pull my phone out and make a phone call and have that done in 30 minutes. If I'm oh, sure. at the top of the platform. Yeah, don't have enough yeah. time to do it. So the guy said, hey, look, I, I wanted it done now, but if you get it to us in six months, I'll change my timeline. Now, the time for that's over. You should have done that right the first time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Wade, that right there is what we see every single year at the Southern Baptist Convention. You said it when you and I were talking earlier. They weaponize Robert's rules of order Yeah, for loopholes, for, for, for technicalities 
to get out of answering simple, honest questions. And in my opinion, that was that was the reason why our church left the convention uh, when I pastored it in 2008, mm-hmm. I think, is when we quit uh, fellowshipping with the convention. And it was over that right there. I'm like, they don't want to hear from us. They're just looking for excuses not to answer our question. Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, let's talk about this for a moment before we go to the positive. What do you think about Bart's um, moderating of the meeting? I, I personally thought he kept it light. He made a few yeah. jokes. And jokes were needed. He was very, he seemed to be very kind. He's a kind man. Sure. Even when he was having to tell people your motion's out of order, he was doing it in as nice a way as he possibly could. And I I thought he did a great job. What do you think, Wade? Yeah, I think that was one of the highs. Honestly, that was a breath of fresh air of what the convention had had in the past, especially with Greer, who was obnoxious. Among among the worst. Yeah, a little bit smart. Like you could, you know, just tell in his tone. Uh, Barbara was nothing like that. He did a tremendous job moderating the convention. Which is a very hard thing. I mean, um, you have this parliamentarian who is right there standing beside you telling you, you know, what's allowable, what's not allowable. Yeah, that was a breath of fresh air for sure. But going back to what you said about the Robert Rules of Order, man, that is just so weaponized against the messengers. Uh, is no one there as a messenger knows that manual of, of the, parliament orders it of takes a business eight meeting. years it takes eight years of law school i think to understand robert yeah. and to me i have never i have never pastored a church where we operated under robert's rules of order nobody knows them well we operate in, a, in an orderly <laughs> manner you know we yeah, speak right. one at a time we, we make motions and second and vote but it's almost like We've got a group of people back here going, is there any way we can get out of this? Ah, oh, here's a technicality. <laughs> yeah, we don't right. have to do that. And and speaking of Lowe's, uh, did you see the uh, the Buck uh, documentary, if you will, put out by Kuiper's Belt? Yes. Uh, yeah. Last week before the convention started. I thought uh, that was like a four-part series. I saw it on YouTube, but I thought it was a very good job of demonstrating why the bucks were upset because all along I'm like, I thought this was stupid. I'm like, Mm -hmm. you gave a document of personal information to Karen swallow prior. Yeah. That's dumb. Why did you know? Shame on you. This is what happened. (laughs) Right. Dogs, you get fleas, you know, Yeah. this is, and I had a hard time feeling sorry for the bucks. And I admit that. Mm Mm-hmm. But when I saw the way they were treated and they were like, Hey, look, we just want to know who did this. Just tell us who did it. Mm-hmm. And they were, it was like fighting city hall. You know, you're just not going to win this and, you know, promises, promises broken. Well, then somebody gets up and I think it was Michelle Leslie gets mm-hmm. up and yeah. makes a, uh, a motion to call for, um, the convention to, you know, ask, Southeastern Seminary to reopen and let's have a third party investigation. Let's let somebody else come in and, you know, kind of a mediator decide between these two groups what went wrong. Yeah. That motion was ruled out of order and uh, they never said why, but it was just ruled out of order. They didn't have to say why. So a guy stands up the next day and says, Hey, I, I think you guys did us wrong yesterday. You know, why was that out of order? What was wrong with that? And, and Bart said, you know, he gets the whisper in the ear and he says, I'm, I'm sorry. 
the time to do that was yesterday. That time's passed. We can't answer that now. Yeah. Yeah. And then the guy said, but we're talking about the, uh, you know, care for an abuse victim. And they cut him <laughs> off like mid <laughs> We don't care about that. We got a committee oh, that handles it. that. And that committee's not here today. It yeah. is like every year, Wade, you just see multiple examples of people asking simple, honest questions. Yeah. Getting shot down. And I mean, in my opinion, that's the low every year. And I understand you got to have rules, but for crying out loud, I mean, it's right. like a thing they don't want to touch. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's the, the, the bad side of, of the SB, of an SBC convention. It's, there's always going to be that, uh, that platform that dictates how the meeting goes. Right. And, uh, the messengers really have no say so. And if they begin to say so, all you have to do is mute that mic and shut them up Mike and say that you're out of order. Go to the next one. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. You know, it's funny how they have the ability just to say you're out of order. You're out of order. Yeah. But then you take former president James Merritt and he's going to make a motion and see people are standing in line hoping to get to a microphone. And then hoping that they call their microphone randomly, hoping that they have an opportunity during this window to make their motion. Mm-hmm. But James Merritt's a former president. He goes to a microphone that's standing there empty. Nobody's waiting in line. He walks up there. All these past presidents walk up there with him. Uh, camera people walk up there. Journalists, reporters walk up there. They all know what's happening at at this certain microphone, when everybody's in place, the platform says microphone six B. Oh, it just happens to be uh, what five or six former presidents of yeah. the convention all standing there with reporters ready to talk. Uh, I can't believe we randomly selected this. Right, right. This they did this with Rick Warren last year, and they uh-huh. just let him ramble on for ten minutes. Yeah, that. When you look at it, it's it's like you don't, you know, if you graduated third grade, you can see this ain't fair, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. And I, I mean, for me, I understand you got to have order in a business meeting, especially one with 12,000 people in it. But for crying out loud, it's like every year people with sincere, honest questions get terminated for some little something, but yeah. you'll give the microphone to somebody you deem to be important and give them all the leeway in the world to say whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think another low would be the uh, the president president of Lifeway, uh, Ben Mandrell is his name. He was asked by a messenger as to why Lifeway continues to sell a product or books that are written by known false teeth, mm-hmm. and even um, you know Beth Moore would be an example that he used. And the president of Lifeway said this. He said, hey, Lifeway is a big tent, big tent. And we recognize that they have that that there are many various doctrines, doctrinal beliefs. But we want to be inclusive into all those beliefs. And uh, so we, we enlarge our our tent here uh, in Lifeway. And so, in other words, if it sells, we're going to put it on our shelf. If it makes money, we're going to sell it. Hey, and guess what? That's a, to me, a double standard, a double standard because you just voted, uh, to amend the constitution to beef up, uh, the Baptist faith and message that only men can be a pastor, but yet you're selling 
books. Women, women preachers. Women preachers. So in principle, you ought to get rid of those books. But since they are profitable, you keep them. So let me say something while we're close. There's a reason people take Baptist out of their church name, and it's because they don't want to be a Baptist. Yeah. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to use Lifeway to demonstrate it. Lifeway was started as the Baptist Sunday School Board. Then it was changed to Baptist Bookstore. Mm -hmm. Now it's LifeWord, and there's no more. It's not Baptist anything anymore. Yeah. Even though it is an entity within and affiliated th with the Southern Baptist Convention, it if you were to walk in there, it would there would be no Baptist identity in it. And that was the whole purpose for taking a name like Life uh, Way instead of mm -hmm. the Baptist bookstore. It was meant to be more appealing to a larger audience. Yes. Turn, we've got to be more accepting of other doctrines. And it's also the reason why I refuse to buy anything from them. Yeah. I would pay more and get it from some other group than I would from, from them just because of that very thing right there. Sure. Sure. Any other uh, lows? Yeah. Uh, the sermon t uh, preached today, uh, this earlier today by Todd Unzinker, uh, our, our Unzicker. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Todd Unzicker, who is the executive director of the North Carolina Baptist State Convention, brother and the treasurer, and the treasurer, yeah, and the treasurer of, writes of his that. own checks. I guess I don't know <laughs> yeah. how that works. Yeah, I don't know how that works either. But my soul, what a divisive message! I, really, I cannot call it for the most part a sermon or a message because he went on a rant against those who opposed the Southern Baptist Convention as far as the platform is concerned the direction of the convention, he said things like this. Are we going to give weight to people in this convention who give nothing? Are we going to give weight to people who tweet more than tithe? Are we going to give weight to people who post more than they pray? In other words, he's saying that all those people who tweet and post things in opposition and share videos in opposition, they're not tithers. And they're not even prayer, uh, prayer warriors. They're, they're just people who stir up trouble and you don't need to give them an ear. Yeah. Anybody that questions the king is not entitled to be heard. Right. How yeah. do you, how do you, what's their exchange rate for tweets to dollars? By the way, if we're going to tweet more than we tithe, where do, <laughs> does like a dollar equal five tweets or yeah. is it? Is it like on a peso scale? I mean, how does this work? Yeah. For tweets more than tithes. Man, I, I tell you. Post more than praise. I mean, I sure. saw somebody had shared on Twitter today, and uh, they had a picture of Martin Luther nailing the 95 Thesis on the door of Wittenberg, Germany, the church there, and it says, are we going to yield to those who post more than they pray? And I thought, mm -hmm. all right, was this revolutionary? I mean, <laughs> Yeah, it's like you were right. saying. It's a guy that had a platform nationally yes. to speak to everybody, and he decides to get up and rant against anybody that would question the the leadership. And this whole this is the whole problem in the convention. This is why mm -hmm. people are leaving in droves. Yes, they've been yeah. told for years, trust your leaders. Well, we found out our leaders are not who we thought they were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this guy here is probably vying for vowing for the next presidency of the SBC in, you know, 2025 right. or 24. But, uh, 
it, it was pitiful and it, it turned me off completely. And I know it did. If you were sitting there in those chairs listening to him speak and, you know, in other words, and he said this verbatim, he said, all they're trying to do is stir up dissension, uh, and distrust within the SBC and discouragement. Uh, don't listen to him. I'm like you. I think he was just being the voice of the SBC platform. And he was telling everybody, if you don't agree, just uh, sit down and shut up. Yeah. Well, past president J.D. Greer shared his sermon on Twitter and said, straight fire. You know, like this is a great oh, message. And uh, when you have an elitist mindset where everybody's beneath you, we're in control, do what we say, trust us, just give us your money and we'll spend it the way it should. You know, we think it should be spent. And we'll tell you a little bit, some highlights of what we've done with your money, and don't ask questions. This is the reason that people are leaving the Southern Baptist Convention. Right. And I think they know that um, because the numbers were greater in in Nashville two years ago. Mm -hmm. And the conservative to opposition rate was much closer. And now you're seeing it, it, it get further and further apart. Yeah, that's because of the I mean, I talked to a pastor not 30 minutes before we went on today and I didn't even know. I, I know him just, you know, from a distance. We we got each other's phone number. We talked a few times mm-hmm. to our conference, but I wasn't 100 percent sure they were in the convention. And he informed me, yeah, they'd left last year officially. Mm-hmm. That makes about 15 or 20 pastors or churches that, you know, I know of just in my little circle of friends that have left the convention in the last 16, 18 months, last year and a half. Right. And oh, it, there are other churches in the process as we speak that I know. Sure. I mean, when it's all said and done, there's liable to be 20 or 30 Southern Baptist churches that I know of 25 or 30 that'll be out of the convention in the next two years. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they're out of the convention because they feel like they don't have a voice. And there's, there was nothing in this convention that was like, we want to give it power back to the people. You know, we want to, yeah. we want to give you a voice. We want to listen and hear what you have to say. Even though I thought Bart did a, a good job of moderating the whole platform, the whole agenda, the whole favoritism, all of that was still there. We're in control. You're mm-hmm. not. Sure. Sure. Before we get to some of the highs, let me just real quickly give, give a shout out to Alan Nelson, our, our good friend and, Pastor of Second Baptist Church in Perryville. He, unbeknownst to us, gave the, uh, what, what would be the nomination speech? Nomination speech. For the vice president. And, uh, he was nominating Dusty Devers, who's a pastor in Oklahoma. And Alan did a tremendous job. I mean, I guess you could say this is the biggest audience that Adam, Alan has ever preached to, right? I mean, 9,000, I think, right there at the time. So, I mean, Dusty yeah. got 20% of the vote. Imagine what that would have been without Allen's endorsement. I'm telling you. That's right. Uh, so, Yeah, who who followed Allen was Fred Luter, who was a uh, the former SBC president of 2012-2013. Um, I knew then. I thought, oh, <laughs> the platform has a guy. <laughs> and, uh, and and certainly the platform, the platform's candidate won uh, big. But uh, – Alan did a tremendous job. I was proud of him. I, he sure. did. I, I watched a video of it the next day. I thought he did a great job. 
Uh, Alan, he's he's a passionate preacher, and uh, that was the subject he was passionate about. So Mm -hmm. good. All right, let's get to the highs. And there are some of them. I mean, this was not a doom and gloom uh, convention. There were some things here. And 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 I know we put them at the end, but I think that's because we needed to get all the negatives off our chest before we go. Sure. Yeah, the highs would be uh, there were three churches that the, uh, I believe this, the executive committee voted to disfellowship. And um, those three churches, appealed the uh, committee's uh, decision to disfellowship. And so at this convention, they were allowed to get a vote from the messengers if they would be allowed to continue fellowship with the SBC. Um, the, the first one was a church out of uh, Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky, who is, a, who is pastored by a woman, and she has been the pastor there for 33 years Within the SBC, is there any big SBC entities in Louisville? I mean, any uh, any prominent SBC people? I think there's work, one work in I, Louisville. Yeah, I, mean, I think there's one. Maybe a seminary. In, if you were in a Southern Baptist Association there, and you would anybody even know for thirty three years that some church right under the nose of the most prestigious, oldest, prominent seminary in Southern yeah, life? But I mean, she said by her own testimony. She said by her own testimony that they are a conservative Southern Baptist church. So maybe that gave them, you know, a 33-year I know, I know for a fact that the many professors that work at Southern Seminary pastor churches in the exact same association with a pastor that was been in the Southern Baptist Convention for 33 years, yeah. and nobody brought it up. Right, right. Crazy. And that was in her, her appeal was, why now? Yeah. What, yeah, that's right. What, what happened after? Why is it a problem years? now? Yeah. That's like, uh, it's like a guy wanting to divorce his wife 33 years in and said that first meal you cooked, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I just said, you've never done it. That's right. Yeah. So that church and then Freedom Baptist Church, I forget where that was at. Um, and then their Saddle- pastor had resigned. Yeah, so that this wouldn't be about him, and it would be, right. about, you know, he yeah, got that was, himself out of the picture. Yeah. Um. But all right, go to the most prominent Saddleback Church. Never heard of her. I mean, never heard of her. <laughs> <laughs> Saddleback Church, Pastor whose founder <laughs> Rick Warren, oh. and Rick spoke uh, to his appeal, and uh, they they cut him off this time. Instead of giving him like ten minutes, they gave him three minutes and 10 seconds, and then they muted his mic. So I was proud to see that. Cut him mid-sentence. Cut cut him. Cut him off. He didn't just speak at the convention. We actually had 40 days of Rick, kind of like 40 days of purpose. (laughs) Yes, yes. He took to Twitter about 40 days ago Yeah, and began really promoting himself. And, I I, I mean, I think he did himself more damage than good Mm -hmm. uh, because I was – I wasn't even going to New Orleans, and I was sick of Rick Warren already. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Then he emailed a- every SBC pastor, and how how he got those emails, I, I'm not sure. But anyway, he emailed. He tried to build a, uh, uh, you know, some type of a supportive base, but it did not work. He uh, created every- his own website. Uh, uh, just about. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, it didn't work. He he uh, lost his appeal. 
by 88%. And uh, so it was a... And, you know, while we're on the subject of uh, highs and we're talking about this, Al Mohler, I, I, I think he's the best politician that the world has ever seen. <laughs> Spiritual I, I'm not politician. a big fan of him. I, I mean, I think he's said <laughs> and done some good things, but I think he's yeah. also been on the wrong side of history a few times. Right. And survived to tell it. Mm-hmm. But he gave two, he spoke two times appointed by the committee on this, this task uh, to represent them. And he spoke after the woman and he spoke after uh, Rick Warren. Yeah. I mean, during his three minutes, he gave as decisive and he was one of the drafters of the original Baptist faith and message of 2000. That's right. He gave a decisive argument against women pastors. And he talked the first time about our faith and practice. And this mm-hmm. is contrary to that. And then when Rick finished, he talked more about the meaning of the Baptist faith and message as one of the writers. He could say what was said in that room. Yes. And both times he just shredded the, the argument of these two uh, people. Yeah. When Al Moeller is on and he is, Man, he's on. You do not want to try oh. to debate him for sure. He's no. a brilliant man. He's brilliant. Genius. He's the best politician I've ever seen. But I say he's a politician because Al Al Moeller weighs his decisions. Is this one I want to be wrong on? Is this one I want to yeah. be wrong on? Right. Right. He is very good at sticking his finger in the wind and knowing which way to go at what time mm-hmm. to, what time yeah. to swim upstream and what time to go with the flow. Yes. And and in this instance, he did as good a job as anyone could ask for to right. these two. Yeah. So seeing Saddleback and these other two churches lose their appeal, that was a win for sure. Okay. Yeah. That was a high point. But yeah. Yeah. And, and we say it's a win. Yeah. But it really should be just a given thing. It should not be even a uh, debatable issue. This took two years. Right. To arrive at this conclusion. Which should have been a a no back in 2021, and uh, okay, we'll consider it. And then they came back in 22 and said, "We really don't know what a pastor is." Yeah, but we need it. Like like dictionaries don't exist for a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then, I mean, and Southern Baptists were the brunt of how many jokes, Wade? We don't know what a pastor is. We're still oh yeah. Figure, I mean, uh, so anyways, they finally determined what a pastor was, and they did the right thing. And it took two full years, should have taken a year at most. Right. And, and there shouldn't have been any debate. And Rick Warren shouldn't have got a 10 minute farewell speech last year. It mm-hmm. arrived at the right place, but boy, you took a long way to get there. Sure. And here, here's another issue. There's still about 1,100 SBC churches that have women pastors. Yeah. What about them? Yeah. So uh, the battle's not over yet. Okay. No, uh, no, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah. And so, you know, they, they still have a lot of work to do. And I think, uh, we'll end on this maybe is the Mike Law amendment, uh, where they're, they're beefing up the Baptist faith and message. Thankfully that passed. Um, but it's it, not law yet. It's not law yet because it has to get, uh, voted in next year at the next convention before it is able to be added to the, as an amendment to the Baptist faith and message. Yeah, so everybody has to show up in Indianapolis and vote for it mm-hmm. there in order for it to actually become law. 
Yes. And, and that brings me to another thing before we wrap up on the, on the Mike. Uh, well, the Mike law amendment was just what you said. It was defining what a, who can and can't be a pastor in the Southern Baptist. Right. So right behind that comes what we talked about earlier. All the SBC presidents asking Bart Barber to form a committee, uh, a, a task force, not a committee, a task force. Mm-hmm. And then to report to us in Indianapolis about what it means to be in close cooperation. Yeah. I'm of the opinion that that motion by merit is a way to backdoor and come up with another alternative to, to really ruling out these yes. churches you mentioned. Right. Right. Yeah. To me, it was a beware the wolves. They're on the prowl type issue. And that's the way it, uh, I interpreted it and many others did. So it's almost like a finding loophole of, uh, of allowing these churches, uh, still to have fellowship with the SBC, even though they err on just one issue. Well, when 90% of your your messengers agree that the committee to remove these churches was right, mm-hmm. and the platform, or when we say platform, we're talking about the powers that be, the SBC yeah. power structure. When they want to come in and try to backdoor and say, hey, these people are trying to divide us. No, they're really not. 90% of the people agreed. Yes. But they won't accept that. Right. And right. I think that's why um, a lot of people are leaving New Orleans. Southern Baptists are like, yeah, we, I'm as excited as I've ever been. You know, we're we're not going liberal. Yeah. You people in the, in the pulpits may not be, but the power brokers have yeah. not changed and they don't share your views. Right. Right. And I lost so much respect for James Merritt over the, the you fact had that, respect for James Merritt. Well, at, at, at one time, yes, especially back in the nineties, oh, man, okay, he was, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going way back. Uh, he was a solid pastor, but man, especially the last few years, his son came out to be homosexual. I think he's even quote unquote married a pastor of a church. And James Merritt said, my son preached a very soul stirring me- message or whatever. It was something to That's that right. effect. I'm like, dude, don't even go there. So I've lost a lot of respect for him. And what we see at this SBC, what we see in every one of them, is that the swamp is deep. Yeah. And James Merritt is is part of that swamp. He he posted a, a picture on uh, Twitter uh, yesterday, I believe, and it is a picture of him and Danny Aiken. And it said, we are best buds. I'm like, oh, okay, I see. I see how this works. Well. We got about a minute left, and uh, I, I, I would I would sum it up this way, and I, I'll give you the last word, Wade. You can close the podcast, but I think there were some high points. It wasn't as bad as it could have been, mm-hmm. but if you're leaving there thinking, boy, the SBC is back, n- no real change has been made. An obvious decision was affirmed by 90%. This should have been affirmed last year. Yeah. That being yeah. said, there's still lots and lots of reform to do if the SBC is going to come back. Yes. Yeah. I just want to thank everyone for listening to this special edition of the Patriot Pastors podcast. And we just pray the Lord's blessings upon you.